and I was sitting across the desk from one of my clients. And this was a, a woman who was you know, 20, 30 years my senior. She was an incredible, like she's professional and a mother. I mean, just like obviously very good at life. And she's sitting there crying, saying, Jonathan, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Just crying, sobbing, because I have her on a 1200 calorie diet. I have her exercising for two plus hours a day. She can't get her body to do what she wants it to do, which is to get smaller. And in that moment, I said to myself, Jonathan, you're eating 6,000 calories a day and taking all this nonsense into your body and you can't get bigger. Like, it's not an effort problem on your side. And it's sure as hell not an effort problem on her side. How is this, like, this doesn't add up. This calorie math doesn't add up. When it came to eating and dieting, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I interviewed over a thousand women and I said, what did you do? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What did you eat? How'd you do it? If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way. And each week I have different guests answering your questions. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this This podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, I'm so excited for this week's episode. I'm thrilled for my next guest. He is a New York Times bestselling author, nutrition and and exercise expert, a wellness entrepreneur, and former personal trainer who specializes in using modern science and technology to simplify wellness. And that's exactly what we need. We need to simplify things because things are just, you know, going in one direction after another. So welcome, Jonathan Baylor. Thank you so much for having me. So let's talk a little bit about your own wellness journey. How did you kind of help your own health and your own wellness journey lead you to develop this SANE program? My journey started when I was was very, very young. There was a catastrophic experience with the amputation of my grandfather's leg and his death, which we won't get into because it's dark, but we'll talk about, so that was part of it. But <laughs> the, the less dark part of it was, so growing up, I was very, very ashamed of my body. I was, uh, I really wanted to be like my older brother. I have a brother who's 10 years older than I am and he was incredibly good at sports. And I was really, I was bullied very, very badly in middle school and high school. And so I wanted to be like big and strong like my brother. I wanted to be able to, for lack of better terms, defend myself. And I was very ashamed at the way I looked and the way I was treated. So I did all kinds of crazy things and stick with me here in an effort to gain weight because I wanted to be bigger, to protect myself. I was, I was taking all sorts of things which are now illegal uh, this was a long time ago when they were still legal <laughs> and, and not, not that long ago, but like in the late nineties. And uh, I couldn't for the life of me gain weight. And I had this moment when I was, I was a personal trainer and I was working at Bally total fitness in Columbus, Ohio to pay my way through college. And I was sitting across the desk from one of my clients. And this was a, a woman who was you know, 20, 30 years, my senior, she was an incredible, like she's professional and a mother. I mean, just like obviously very good at life. And she's sitting there crying, saying, Jonathan, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Just crying, sobbing, because I have her on a 1200 calorie diet. I have her exercising for two plus hours a day. She can't get her body to do what she wants it to do, which is to get smaller. And in that moment, I said to myself, Jonathan, you're eating 6,000 calories a day and taking all this nonsense into your body and you can't get bigger. Like, 
it's not an effort problem on your side and it's sure as hell not an effort problem on her side. Mm. How is this like, this doesn't add up. This calorie math doesn't add up. So that was a huge inflection point for me. I quit being a personal trainer because I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help others. I have two college professor parents. So I had some long conversations with them. They encouraged me to examine the source of the information that I was using. And it's, I then went on a 15 year journey working in university libraries just as a, as a hobby to, and working with top researchers at Harvard Medical School, Johns Hopkins, UCLA, so on and so forth. I looked at over 1300 research studies involving neurobiology, how your brain works, gastroenterology, how your digestive system works and endocrinology, your hormones to really understand why it is that so many of us feel one, ashamed about our bodies, and then two, cannot get them to do what we want them to do, be it get bigger or smaller or stay the same, and discovered some pretty incredible things. And that led to Sane Solution, which is the name of my company, which exists today, a couple of books, which have done pretty well. And now we're just on a journey to debunk all the shame-based myths that are out there really complicating our lives. Wow. Um, so let's talk about you. What does I love to ask people um, what they do in their personal life? So like for you, what does your eating look like? Like, do you, what do you do for working out? What would you say that is? Before I answer that question, I really want to, I think it's critical to understand that I do what I do because it works for me. This is not a recommendation. So I'm a very odd person and I lead a very odd lifestyle. <laughs> so what I'm about to describe is not a recommendation. It's what works for me. And honestly, that's the secret. The secret is everyone wants to go, myself included, I want to go up yes. to the person at the gym who looks the way I want to look, figure out what they do. First of all, they're going to lie to you and they're going to, and, and you know, they're never going to tell you that. And I'm just going to be candid. The guys are never going to tell you they're on steroids and the girls are never going to tell you that they're taking Coke or, or things along those lines. And that's a lot more common than you think it is, right? These people who are like really, really thin or really, really muscular, you're like, hmm, there's something else going on there. That's a dirty little secret that no one else wants to talk about. So mm -hmm. I want to be straight with you and say that, look, I eat exactly what we talk about eating insane solution, which is non-starchy vegetables, nutrient-dense protein, whole food fats, and low fructose fruits in that order. Now, I work a lot. And because I work a lot, I eat the same stuff over and over again. And I cook all my food on weekends. And I have a one-year-old daughter, so that further constrains my time. So in the mornings, I don't really eat much breakfast. I'm not hungry in the mornings. I have like a little concoction of superfoods that I drink just to get a bunch of nutrients in my body. Usually sometime before noon, I have another shake or smoothie of sorts, which has a tremendous amount of whole food fats in it. It's usually a combination of, of coconut blended with chia seeds, blended with some egg white protein powder, um, blended with some of our, our, some of our products that help it to taste better. I drink that. I also usually have a green smoothie to get my vegetable intake increased. Uh, sometime in the afternoon, I have a, a seafood concoction that I make in bulk and I very much enjoy eating. I usually have some vegetables with that. I really enjoy the Pollock burgers that Costco sells. So I'll usually have some of those. And then dinner is usually, again, some sort of fish with, with vegetables. And it's really that simple. Mm. 
Awesome. Well, in your SANE program, what is the main focus? Like if you had to give us like, these are the top three things that you focus on. Give us a little glimpse of behind the program. From a dietary perspective or from an overall life perspective? Doesn't matter. Okay. So from a dietary perspective, the number one thing is a tremendous amount of non-starchy vegetables. Everyone wants to talk about fat or protein or carbs, blah, blah, blah. Eat more vegetables than anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and it's the one thing that everyone agrees will radically transform your health and focus on non-starchy vegetables. So if it grow, if it's a potato, it, that's a starch, right? Corn is a starch. So you want to focus on non-starchy vegetables. Non-starchy vegetables are often vegetables that you could eat raw. You do not have to eat them raw, but you could eat them raw. They often grow above ground. Non-starchy vegetables, dietary tip number one. But even above that, from a macro tip perspective, is the entire sane solution is about understanding that a higher quality of life is possible for you. But all the nutrition and exercise information in the world is not going to do a lick of good if you do not believe that you are worth a higher quality of life. Mm-hmm. And this, like, I don't know if we have time to like really get in this on the show, but if you have a Ferrari in your driveway, you're probably not going to put the cheapest, most garbage, low grade fuel in the gas tank possible. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't understand that we are Ferraris and that is not like woo woo, whatever, whatever. The reality is there is no, whatever your belief system is, there is no logical explanation for why you exist, period, none, zero. If you believe in a God, he or she could have made any number of people, but he or she chose to make you. If you don't believe in a God, then a tremendous amount of things had to line up, an incalculable amount of things had to line up for you to exist, right? If your parents didn't rendezvous at the exact moment they rendezvoused, you wouldn't exist. And if you think about all the things that had to happen leading up to that. So all of us are the definition of a miracle because there is no logical explanation for our existence. But we live in a materialistic society that tells us that unless we buy more, do more or have more, we're fundamentally bad and everything about us needs to be better. If you think about it, even the self-esteem movement, the concept of self-esteem means that we're not inherently good. If you you have to have self-esteem, that means you could possibly not have self-esteem. So we're really on a mission to help people understand that by definition, you are extremely high quality. And once you understand that you are high quality, that makes a lot of this nutrition and exercise stuff somewhat irrelevant. Because look, if if you decide to become a vegan, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but if you decide to do that, you don't have to decide every day whether or not you're going to eat meat. It's not a struggle anymore because you've made one macro distinction that makes every other or or many other choices irrelevant. So once you have the macro transformation that you as you exist today are more than enough, you are excellent. Living a life of excellence becomes not only easy, but enjoyable. So like, that's really important. So the vegetables become really easy to eat once you understand that they're high quality food and you're high quality. So vegetables, very important from a dietary perspective. 
understanding the fundamental quality of you as an individual and like overcoming any trauma that's standing in the way of that, overcoming any shame that's standing in the way of that. Key thing number two. And key point number three is that the science is very clear that the amount of love and connection in your life is probably more important than anything you could do from a nutrition perspective. Meaning that you could eat quote unquote perfectly, but if you feel unloved and unsupported in the world, it will not matter. Mm, so good, so good. All right, well, let's, uh, one more question before we jump right into the listener questions. I know you talk about a person's set point weight. Can you explain to the listeners what that is and how it affects their ability to lose weight? Everything in your body <clears throat> and in every body, meaning every biological species on the planet can only exist if we're in a range. So a good example of this just globally is temperature. If you think about it, there's an infinite number of temperatures that are above 130 degrees Fahrenheit, and there's an infinite number of temperatures that are below negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Isn't it amazing that our planet doesn't really hit any of those <laughs> and that we stay in this tiny little range? And because we stay in that range, human life and all the other life on our planet can exist. That's amazing, right? So the same kind of experience exists in your body. Everything, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, estrogen, testosterone, cortisol, name anything in your body. It either has to stay in a tiny range or you die, period. It's that simple, right? So your body has a, a it's, we call it a set point, but you could think of it as a set range if you want, but let's use the term set point. Your brain your gut and your hormones are always communicating about what the current status of, of various substances are in your body. Are they going up? Are they going down? And then it will take actions to balance it so that it stays in that range. That applies to everything, everything, right? In fact, diabetes is the breakdown of your body's automatic ability to maintain blood sugar in this range. Depression is the breakdown of your body's ability to maintain serotonin in a certain range. Hypertension is the breakdown of your body's ability to keep blood pressure within a certain range. So in a lot of ways, diseases are just names for your body's ability to maintain various set points. That's all they are. So your weight is not, even though you've been told this your whole life, different than every other thing in your body, right? Everything else in your body, like you don't need to count milligrams of vitamin C in and milligrams of vitamin C out. You don't need to monitor the, 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 the concentration of estrogen in your bloodstream. Similarly, if your brain, gut, and hormones are working properly, your body will balance calories in, calories out, and your weight around a healthy set point. Now, what's happened is because a lot of us live low quality lives, not because we're low quality, but because we've been given low quality information. We have uh, information, we have inflammation in our brain, inflammation in our uh, dysregulation in our microbiome or our gut and imbalances in our hormones that causes our body's ability to balance our weight around a healthy set point to break down. 
And that set point range becomes elevated. And because our body is, for lack of better terms, confused and would rather err on the side of not starving to death, it's going to hold on to an excess amount of body fat for protection. So things that would normally cause your body to regulate your appetite appropriately break down. Your body essentially forces you to eat too much and to burn too little, but it's not because you're weak or stupid. It's because your body is pushing you to do that in a way that is impossible to fight. It would be like trying to fight your body's desire to go to the bathroom or to sleep. You can't just choose not to breathe. If your body really wants you to do something, you're gonna do it. So your set point weight is a range that your body will fight to keep you within, no matter what diet you go on, no matter what supplement you take, and no matter how much CrossFit you do. The key is not to try to fight against that range, which is what we've all been taught. The key is to change that range. And you don't change that range by hacking your body or fighting your body. You change that range by healing your body. And that's the key distinction. Wow. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. But as you know, I've interviewed over a thousand women and every time I've watched a thin eater eat, I realize that maintaining a healthy weight is a skill that can be taught and mastered over time. That's why I created a video course that will teach you all the tips that I learned to help me lose over 30 pounds. It's way more powerful to watch the thin eaters than even to listen or to read it. Go to chantalrayway.com slash video for a free glimpse. If you're wanting to take yourself to the next level, everyone needs a coach. Every professional player has a coach. We want to come alongside you and help you in your journey. Go to chantalrayway.com slash coaching. I just had someone listen to the audiobook three times and she just emailed me and she said by her listening to the audiobook three times, that's what did it. That's what allowed her to really lose the weight. We have an amazing offer for you. It's the second edition of my book, which has tons more information. It has the audiobook, the ebook. It normally runs for $29.99. You can get it today for $4.99. Go to ChantelRayway.com slash deal to get it. Now back to the show. Well, this question came in today and I think it's appropriate for you. This is from Chandra and Raquel. And it says, my best friend and I are in a big debate and we need you to settle it. She says that beets are a starchy vegetable and that vegetables that are labeled starchy are when they contain more carbs and more calories compared to other non-starchy vegetables. We both agree that corn, peas, potatoes, zucchini, butternut squash are starchy, but I think beets are starchy because of the sugar in it. And she says, absolutely not. Please help us to settle this debate. Chandra and Raquel, we are besties and want to stay that way. LOL. (laughs) Well, I definitely don't want beets to come between you. If the reason you fall out is beets, that will be a sad day. You know, it's like, you know, what happened, man? We were, we were doing good. And then beets happened. You got to watch out, man. Those beets, they're going to, they're going to come get you. Um, Look, the, the, what matters is, and this is like, I'm known for giving different answers than people expect, but that's because what we're currently doing isn't working. And we need to take a different approach by definition. What matters is not the label we apply to beets. What matters is like, 
if you look at the nutritional content of beets, the point is this, if you're eating beets, you're not eating something else. So if you're eating beets instead of Pop-Tarts, eat beets. Mm. If you're eating beets instead of kale, I'd probably eat the kale. Do we have an obesity epidemic because we're eating too many beets? No. <laughs> Does anybody have any disease because of their beet intake? No. So look, I would say if, if you're, for example, if you're on the keto diet, don't eat beets because it's going to take you out of ketosis. But why do you want to be in ketosis? I don't know. That's another good question to ask. If ketosis works for you, rock and roll. But if it doesn't work for you, rock and roll. So I would say mate, friendship is key number one. So don't fall out over beets. And two is you got to ask yourself why you're eating the beets. If you look at this, here's another way to think of it. If you love beets and they make you happy and they make you like excited about food, that would be more important than maybe eating a better vegetable that you dislike and makes you feel miserable. Because if, it, if you dislike it and it makes you feel miserable, you won't keep doing it. And here's the secret that no one wants you to know. The only thing that matters is consistency. That's it. Anything in the right direction of health that you do consistently will work. There's a famous study that was done at Stanford that compared a very low carb diet against like a, a zone type, more balanced diet against a higher carb diet. And what they found is that the best diet was the one that people did. <laughs> Meaning that it didn't matter which of the three people did, what mattered is if they actually did it. If they actually did it and they did it consistently, they saw tremendous health practices, or excuse me, health results. But what most of us do is we jump from this to 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 this, thinking that the next thing is gonna have the secret answer. Here's the secret answer. Your body is freaking amazing. And if you eat non-starchy vegetables, nutrient-dense protein, whole food fats, and low fructose fruits in that order every daggone day for the rest of your life, and you love yourself and you love doing that, you will have a quality of life that you cannot even imagine right now. Mm, love it. Okay, this next one is from Jennifer in Bronx, New York, which is so crazy. I was just telling my assistant that we never get anyone like... I don't know what it is, but the questions we get are all from like people in the South and like, I'm originally from New York, but we never get anyone who writes a question in from New York ever. So I'm like, what from New York? Um, but anyway, where are you? Are you from New York? Is that where you're from? I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, this one is from Jennifer in Bronx. I hate vegetables. I've done some <laughs> I've done some things so far to add vegetables in my diet. For example, I swap buffalo chicken for buffalo cauliflower. I might add a cup of kale in my smoothie that isn't even green. I take a little bit of seaweed and I put it in top of my popcorn and then I will cover my pizza in a lot of vegetables. And I also like a little bit of zucchini that's fried, but that's it. Can you give me any tips of things that maybe I haven't thought of, like the buffalo cauliflower substituted for the buffalo chicken to add more vegetables in my diet? Three things that I think are gonna help you more than anything. The first is 
this is going to be a virtuous cycle. The more vegetables you eat, chances are the less sugar you're going to eat. And the less sugar you eat, the more the taste of vegetables will appeal to you. One of the reasons that people don't like the taste of vegetables is because we as a culture consume so much sugar and starch that the only flavor we appreciate is sweet. And bitter, for example, that's the primary flavor of vegetables, is a delicious taste, right? Wine is bitter, beer is bitter, and a lot of people really enjoy drinking those. So, so bitter can be delicious if we're used to it. So key number one is as much as possible, if you could eat foods that do not contain added sugar, that's really gonna help you to enjoy the taste of any vegetable you eat more. Key number two is I would say any place that you're eating pasta or rice, swap in certain vegetables. So instead of using pasta, use zucchini noodles or zoodles or use other sort of vegetable-based substitutes because pasta itself really doesn't have much taste. You're usually eating it as a way to get sauce into your mouth, if you think about it. Like it's the sauce that makes it delicious. Plain pasta is disgusting. So put that sauce on vegetables. And same thing with rice. You can use cauliflower rice, parsnip rice, mm. or you can actually just put like Thai food or Chinese food on top of a bed of vegetables. Because again, it's usually, most people don't go to an Asian restaurant and say, that was the best Thai food I ever had. The rice was so good. It's usually the sauce that you're eating. So just put that on top of a substitute and that will really help you. I love it. All right. These next couple are all about the same, but I'll read one of them only because it's, and I think you've kind of answered it, but it's from Carissa in Hartford. About five months ago, I joined a gym because I wanted to lose some weight. I've been doing the elliptical machine for about an hour a day, six times a week. I'm burning 600 calories, but not noticing any difference in my weight. What's going on? I'm not eating more food than I was before. So what am I doing wrong? Carissa and Hartford. Exercise is very much like eating in the sense that we've been told that it's about quantity, AKA do more, do an hour, six days per week. But it's really about quality, meaning do less but higher quality exercise. Mm -hmm. The only way that exercise will effectively change your set point, which is the only way to really change the way your body looks and feels long term, mm -hmm. is by using exercise to change your hormones. Cardiovascular exercise will not change your hormones in a positive direction. In fact, it can change your hormones in a negative direction. It can suppress sex hormone produ production, it can negatively affect your thyroid hormone, and it can increase the levels of stress hormones like cortisol, because you're putting a tremendous amount of stress on your body. If you want to use exercise to change your body, I would strongly recommend shifting to resistance training, meaning weight lift. So lift like a man. You will not look like a man. What you will do is you will change your hormonal ba balance to be more um, anabolic. And I know that sounds scary and it sounds like you're gonna start to look like a bulldog. I promise you won't. And what's gonna happen instead is you're gonna optimize your testosterone levels, you're gonna optimize your estrogen levels and you're gonna train your body to treat everything you eat differently. This is called nutrient partitioning. 
And when you use weight training, heavy weight training, I'm not talking about getting the pink weights and doing bicep curls. I'm talking about leg press, squats, deadlifts. Like this is the one thing that CrossFit does really well. It's teaching women to go get it in the gym, which I love, which is great, right? There's no, women and men should not strength train any differently. We're all humans. We're equal rights in the gym as well as every place else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because that's, that's really going to be key. So I would say take all that time that you're spending on the elliptical, do, do less but more intense resistance training, and then do some things like yoga or Tai Chi and Pilates mm -hmm. to also help restore a, a lot of the balance in your body, which is also very important. All right. I have one more question that's a little bit different. Maggie in South Bend. I'm seriously addicted to chocolate. As soon as I eat a meal, I have to have a piece of chocolate or something sweet where I feel like I'm unsatisfied. It's gotten to the point that I even carry emergency purse chocolate around with me just in case I eat somewhere and need my chocolate fix afterwards. How can I break this addiction? And we, we have a lot of questions with people saying that, like, as soon as I'm done eating, I want something sweet right after. What can I do to either kind of satisfy that? What's your thoughts? I don't know if you can see this. It's kind of gross because it stuck to the cup. But what I'm drinking right now is actually a chocolate drink because chocolate is a very uniquely psychoactive compound. And the right form of chocolate, specifically very high cacao, cocoa, very low sugar, is one of the top five most beneficial foods you could consume. So I'm not going to tell you to not eat chocolate. I'm going to tell you to try to focus on if you can eat 90% dark chocolate, you will radically improve your health outcomes and you do not have to give up chocolate. It is less sweet than regular chocolate, but what you will find is that Ultimately, what we're after is a feeling, right? That was even in the question. I don't feel satisfied. So even sugar, we eat sugar for a feeling, right? The reason we have an opiate addiction in this country is because people are after a feeling. Mm. The, the cacao substance or the cocoa substance in chocolate is the most psychoactive compound. It is the thing that gives you that feeling. So if you can gradually go from milk chocolate to and you know, thank goodness for Amazon.com because you know your local grocery store might not enable you to do this, but start with like 60% dark chocolate and eat that for two weeks. And then go to 70% dark chocolate, eat that for two weeks, go to 80% dark chocolate for two weeks, 90%. And then eventually you can just eat 100% dark chocolate, which has almost no sugar in it, is almost pure straight cacao. And holy moly, that is, you've taken something that used to be maybe detrimental to your health and you've transformed it into something that is unambiguously positive for your health with no deprivation. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure. Thank and you so much for having me. Where can listeners go to follow you and your work? Just please go to my website. It's Sane Solution. That's S-A-N-E solution.com. Awesome. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantelrayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.